Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. Hebrews, chapter number 12. We begin this morning at verse number 4, Hebrews, chapter number 12. This has been a very helpful passage in my life this year, and I pray that through the study and exposition that you also will be encouraged as you consider what God is saying to us here in this most important Um, spiritual discipline in our lives as believers. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And scourges every one whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Throughout our study of Hebrews, we've seen clearly the purpose of this letter. People who had publicly come to Christ, trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior, they began to understand that the Christian life is still... A life of struggles, not the least of which was the persecution threatened against them for leaving Judaism and turning to Christianity. And as they encountered these real struggles and sufferings, they were tempted to quit, to go back, to drift away from Christ and His church. So over and over, the writer exhorts them not to quit but to press on with hope and confidence, even giving examples of others who by faith in God's promises endured struggles and sufferings and did so in their own weaknesses and failures. Here's what we need to be reminded of from our text this morning, and I use this word reminded intentionally Because verse 5 says that we tend to forget this important part of our relationship with God. He says in verse 5, you've forgotten this. And I think sometimes we all forget this. Here's what we need to be reminded of. Listen carefully. God allows or brings sufferings and struggles into our life as an act of his fatherly discipline. That is what we need to be reminded of as Christians, that God allows or brings 
He brings sufferings and struggles into our life as an act of his fatherly discipline. Consider the word that is used here, the word chastening. It's a, it's a specific word used to describe how a parent trains and disciplines a child. It describes not a father who gives a child everything that he desires, but rather a father who gives his child everything that he requires. And there's a great difference in our disciplining and training of our children. Not giving them everything that they desire, but giving them everything that they require, require. And this is one of the indispensable characteristics of good parenting committing ourselves to a loving discipline of our children in order to form their character and develop maturity. If we're not committed to loving discipline, then our children will age into immature, childish, and undeveloped adults. We know that to be true. And so it is in our relationship with God. We who are believers this morning are children of God. We are his sons and daughters. And as our Father in heaven trains us and disciplines us, he is not afraid to use adversity and struggle to do it. But listen to me carefully. He does it because he loves us. He does it because he loves us. Now, every parent in this room is familiar with that lingo. Every child in this room is familiar with that lingo. I was trying to think of things that I could equate to discipline to title this sermon, you know. Uh, Things that I've said, like, can I keep my pants up? (laughs) Or, uh, this hurts me more than it hurts you, right? Or, I could go on and on. But we've all said that as parents to our children. We've all heard that as children from our parents. I'm doing this because I love you. I want you to consider some things this morning. Write down number one. The discipline of God can be a painful experience. The discipline of God can be a painful experience. Let's start at the last verse. Look at verse number 11. It says, now no chastening, no discipline seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Painful. I think this is a good time to talk about the difference between punishment and discipline. And there is a difference. There's a difference between punishment and discipline. Follow me for just a moment. Punishment is about paying for the wrong done. That's punishment. Discipline is about forming character. Forming character. It's good for us as parents to be reminded of these things because God in our parenting did not call us to be constantly punishing our children, constantly seeking vengeance on them because of something they've done wrong against us. No, it's about disciplining them. It's about forming their character. It's about developing maturity. And so we need to understand the difference. Punishment is about paying for the wrong done. Discipline, discipline 
is about forming character. Now, there is pain when we experience discipline. God rebukes us. Uh, the, the rebuking of God is like getting the look from mom or dad. You're doing something you shouldn't be doing, and, and you get the look, and you know just by the look that I need to stop what I'm doing right now. That's the rebuke of God. It's His Holy Spirit conviction in our lives that when we go too far, we, we, we get that look from God. That's His rebuke. It can be a painful experience. God, God rebukes us. God, God restricts us. God corrects us, all of which are painful and unpleasant. But God does not, listen carefully, He does not punish His children. He doesn't. He doesn't ask you to pay for the wrong you've done. Don't, don't forget this truth about the gospel. Every ounce of punishment for our sin was put on Jesus. Jesus paid for the wrong that we've done. And he paid 100% of the punishment. He didn't pay most of it. And now here in life, you're paying for a little bit of it. No, he paid all of it, 100% of it. So for God to punish his children for sin would mean that God is demanding two punishments for the same sin. And God doesn't work that way. It would be like a husband and wife having to pay the same electric bill twice. As it happens in our home, the city of Concord will send that bill to us and I'll go online and make my payment. It would be unjust for the city of Concord to send me another bill in the same amount for the same electricity to my wife and expect her to pay for it even though I've already paid for it. It doesn't work that way. You can't ask for two payments for the same bill. And it's the same with God. God doesn't ask for two payments for the same bill. He put the whole payment on Jesus. Jesus took the whole punishment. He paid for every wrong, every sin we have and will ever do. That's why Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 is so important to the Christian life. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. There is no punishment to those who are in Jesus. So I want to help some of you this morning. God is not paying you back for your sin by the sufferings that you are going through right now as believers. I know it's easy to think this when we are hurting and suffering because it's easy for me to think that in my own life. And how many times have I gone to my father, my wife, or Brother Lee, and I'm asking that question, is God punishing me? Is God mad at me? Is he making me pay for things that I, I did years ago? And when we feel that way, this is, this is why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. To remind ourselves that Jesus took all the punishment. Nothing is left for you but mercy and grace. It also is a difference in understanding what, what natural consequences are as well. You know, punishment is paying for the wrong done. Discipline is about forming maturity. And then there's just natural life consequences, right? 
For example, some of, some of you have come in this morning and you have some aches and pains. You don't feel right. And maybe in your mind you're thinking, well, is God mad at me? Is he punishing me as a, as a believer? Am I having to pay for some sin because I have these aches and pains? No, it could just be because you're old. You've had my doctor tell me that recently. Why do I feel this way, Dr. Carter? He said, Jonathan, you're not 25 anymore. You're nearly 40. You're going to feel things you had not felt yet before in your life. This is just the natural consequence of getting old. Let's, let's, let's go with one a little bit harder. A young lady gets pregnant out of wedlock. That baby is not punishment from God. That's biology. That's just the natural consequences of how God created human life to reproduce. It's not punishment. That baby's not punishment. So we have to understand these things. We have to understand the differences between what is the natural consequences of, of decisions, what is, what is punishment, the wrath and the, the divine judgment of God, and what is, what is his discipline. Now, God's children do suffer the natural consequences of sin. And our Heavenly Father will use it to discipline us so that He can mature our character and bring us closer to Him. But listen carefully. He does not punish us with His wrath and judgment. He doesn't. He may restrict us from having something we really, really want. He may take something away from us that we love more than Him. He may allow us to have a setback, an illness. Or, or, or a trial that is beyond our ability to manage on our own. He may bring a surprise in our life that we were absolutely not prepared to handle. And the experience is going to feel like God has taken our life like a wet towel. And he's just wringing it out. Job said in Job 16 verse 7, speaking of God, he says, he has worn me out. He has shriveled me up. Job said, I was at ease, but he has shattered me. God's discipline can bring about painful things. It's like undergoing physical therapy. Sorry, Caitlin, who is a physical therapist. We've just discovered that uh, our, our youngest boy is going to have to probably wear one of those, those helmets that his, his head is... Is, is too flat in the back, and so we've, we're trying to go around all these doctors and figure out all the stuff that we got to do with it, and so the physical therapist told Kathleen, here's some things that you can do and just exercise him, but guess what? Jaden resisted. He don't like his head being held a certain way. He doesn't like going through all of these exercises. It's, it's painful for him. It's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. Now, what we understand is that we're doing it for his good, okay? This is to help him be able to wear a bicycle helmet one day, all right? Help him not get picked on or whatever the case may be. But right now, it's not pleasant. It's not comfortable. It's, it's, it's very, very painful. And all you may feel this morning today is pain. But your heavenly father wants to tell you something. He wants to whisper in your ear this morning, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this. Because I love you. 
So the discipline of God can sometimes be painful. I wrote down number here, number two, the discipline of God assures us that we belong to him. This is wonderful. The discipline of God assures us that we belong to him. Look at verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, then God has dealt with you as his son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Perhaps one of the greatest assurances that we have been saved is the loving discipline that God, our Heavenly Father, brings into our lives. That's the point of what the writer is saying here in verses 6, 7, and 8. That the presence of the Lord's discipline in your life and in my life, it is evidence that you are loved by God. It is evidence that you belong to God and that you are His adopted child. In fact, he says here that the absence of discipline is a sign of illegitimacy. Why? Because discipline is the job of the parent. It's the job of the one to whom the child belongs. It's not Kathleen's job or my job to discipline your children. Because they're your children. They're not my children. It's my job to discipline my children because they belong to me. That's what he's saying here. When you undergo these painful experiences, when you go through struggles and adversity and suffering that God has brought into your life, it is because you belong to God and your heart needs to be assured that you belong to God. Now again, when you're hurting and when you're suffering, I know for certain it is easy to get this backwards. There have been moments when undergoing God's own discipline in my life that I have wondered whether or not that I really belong to him at all. I remember at a very low point in my life standing in the driveway of my home with Lee Smith standing there begging him with tears to convince me of whether or not I was still a child of God. Because when you're hurting, when you're suffering, When you're going through struggles and adversity, it's not natural for us to to receive it that way. That's why when we do discipline our children, we've got to spend twice as much time reminding them that we do love them. That we are doing this because we love them. So that they do not grow resistant toward our our truest feelings. We say things like, if I truly belong to God, then why am I going through this? If God really loves me, then why are all these things happening to me? At the very least, when we are overwhelmed by the adversity and struggles of the Christian life, may those trials be enough to assure our hearts that he has not abandoned us. And that we do belong to him. You see, it's because God really loves you that you are going through all of this. It's because you do belong to him that you are experiencing these struggles. 
You see, think about this church family. I really want to help you because I have walked this road myself frequently. It is God's wrath that ignores sin. His love doesn't ignore sin. His love reproves it. His love corrects it. His love does whatever he's got to do to get rid of it in our lives. It is his wrath that ignores sin. It's his wrath that allows a person to go on in their wicked ways without being corrected. It's his wrath that leaves a person in their depraved condition. The fact that God is taking you through discipline this morning is a sign of sonship. It is a sign of adoption. It is a sign that you are His. And as much as you are hurting this morning, at least rejoice in the assurance of knowing, I belong to God. I am His child. And though I'm hurting and I'm struggling, and I don't know why all this has happened to me, at least it is a sign that I am His. That I am His. God is doing all of this. Again, because He loves you. He's saying to your heart this morning, I'm doing this because you belong to me. discipline of God it it can be painful but it assures us that we belong to him and then write down number three the discipline of God is to make us more like Christ the discipline of God is to make us more like Christ that's something my dad has said to us growing up and even as adults on many occasions, he constantly reminds us that everything God does in our life is to make us more like Christ. Everything God does in your life, everything, everything, Yes, that which you're feeling right now, that which you're experiencing, that which you're asking God to take away that He has brought. Everything God does in our life is to make us more like Christ. And that especially includes His discipline. His discipline. Look at it in verse 9. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we know much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed... For a few days. That caught me by surprise there this week. For a few days. Our parents did this for a few days. I don't want to take away the enjoyment that Dylan and Carla are experiencing with Ryland this morning. But one day they're going to look back at this moment and think, man, that felt like yesterday. That felt like yesterday. Parenting... It's something that happens so quickly for a short amount of time, for just a, just a few days. They indeed, verse 10, for a few days chastened us. Now notice this next phrase. They chastened us, they disciplined us as seemed best to them. He says here that no human parent disciplines perfectly. That's why young parents with new children ought to be very careful about strutting around thinking they got this whole thing figured out. 
I've heard it. This isn't too bad. You see, if you would do this with yours like we are doing this with ours, then this will all be right. And I just want to think in my mind, just wait. Just wait. No parent, no human parent that is disciplines perfectly. It's true, isn't it? Children, you need to understand, you don't have perfect parents. And you'll not be one one day. Our motives aren't always perfect. Sometimes we discipline when we're angry and we don't need to be angry. Sometimes I find myself disciplining when I'm embarrassed by what they've done. And that is a bad, bad motive for discipline. We're not perfect. Our motives aren't always perfect. Our timing is often terrible. And our methods can be flawed. We raise our voices. We crush their spirits. This is not a message on human parenting, but, but he brings out the point that there is no perfect earthly parent. And I would just say to you as a father of four, the best advice I can give to anyone at this point who is a parent is to learn to say this to your kids. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Because <laughs> you'll find yourself saying that far more frequently than you think you will say it. I'm sorry I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry for throwing uh-oh out the truck window. I shouldn't have done that. I'm just being real with you this morning. There's been times. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have called you stupid. I shouldn't have done that. But, though our parenting is not perfect. Notice what he says in verse 10. God's discipline, his parenting is perfect. It is perfect. He says, we do as earthly parents what we think is best. But look at the rest of verse 10. But he disciplines us for our profit. For our profit. For our good. That is, I am experiencing what I am experiencing this morning because God has brought this into my life because it is good for me. It is good for me. It may not feel good right now, but when it's over, I will look back and I will see the, the good that God has done in it for me. Now, we are far more often like our children than we are not like them. That's a good parenting advice to remember. And when you're upset with their stinky attitude, just remember where they got that from. It's true. I see myself far more of my children than I desire to see. Now, one of those things that we find ourselves like our children is that we think we know what is best for us. We think, like our children do, that we know what is good for us. Like our children, they think they know what is best to eat. They think they know when it's best to go to bed. They think they know what is best to wear. And our kids may not always know why they are being disciplined. But we know it's for their good. We know it's for their good. When our kids are pouting around, Kathleen will often sing a little song by Mother Gothel from the Disney movie Tangled. Mother knows best. Listen to your momsy. It's a scary world out there. 
mother knows best. The truth is, we may not always know what's best. Let's humble ourselves, parents, and recognize that. We may not always know what's best, but our Heavenly Father always knows what's best. His discipline is for our good. Specifically for our holiness. Look at it at verse 10. That we may become partakers of His holiness. That we may be more like Jesus. You're struggling. You're going through this. You're hurting. This is painful. But He's doing it for your good. Because when you are trained by this, when you come through it, you will be more like Jesus than you've ever been. In fact, he promises us in verse 11 that though the present experience is painful, the discipline humbly received will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. It will yield it. That when we humbly receive the discipline God has brought into our lives, when it's all said and done, it will bring a harvest of holiness in our lives. I've had moments, so broken, and I mean no funniness by this, just holding a pillow tightly with tears running down my eyes. Crying out to God, saying, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Perhaps you feel that way this morning. What's God doing? Can I help you? He's doing what he said he would do when he saved you. He's making you more like Christ. Romans 8, 29. He foreknew you. He predestined you. He is conforming you to the image of His Son, Jesus. And here's what we got to come to grips with. That the hand of God is as much at work in our sufferings and struggles as it is in our successes. Because it's easy when the bank account is full to think, God's been good. It's easy when the health is there and the mind is clear and the family's loving on each other and everything's just where we want it to be. It's easy to say, man, God is blessing. God is good. God's hand is upon our family. Oh, friend, God's hand is as much upon your family when you're hurting as it it is when everything's going well. His hand is there in the struggles, and his hand is there in the successes. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God. Packer said this, Scripture does not allow us to suppose that because God is love, he will shield his loved ones from trouble when he knows that they need trouble to further their sanctification. God loves us so much that he understands that sometimes the greatest gifts that we could ever experience in life is trouble. 
would go as far as to say in my young life that I have probably seen the hand of God at work more in my sufferings than I have even in my successes. Now here's the key and we're going to close. We must allow his discipline to train us. To train us. Look at it in verse 11. It says it will bring this fruit, the peaceable fruit of righteousness, to those who have been trained by it. Trained by it. In other words, it's not enough to experience it that is discipline. We must be trained by it. There are three words used in our passage that are important. Verse 7, there's the word endure. Verse 9, the word respect. Also verse 9, the word subjection. What he's saying here is that we can be disciplined, but if we don't endure it, if we don't respect what God is doing, if we do not submit to the character that he is molding us, we've wasted the suffering. And at some point, God has to do it all over again. It's the same thing in disciplining our own children, isn't it? If they do not endure it, if they don't respect it, if they do not submit to the training, to the training, then there's going to come a day where we're going to have to go right back to the same deal. And perhaps that's what God keeps bringing up over and over and over and over and over again in your own life. You're not learning the lessons He's trying to teach you. My dad has said to me over the past 12 months, he said, Jonathan, the worst thing you could do in this season of your life is miss what God is trying to teach you. He said, son, don't miss it. Don't miss it. So let's back up to the beginning of our text. Two things I want to leave you with. Write this down. Number one, it's not in the screen, but just write it down. First of all, if we're not going to miss it, number one, do not despise his discipline. Don't despise it. Verse 5, he's quoting Proverbs 3, says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't be indifferent toward it. Don't be defiant toward it. You know, we've all been defiant toward discipline. I've got some children, I'm not going to point them out to you, who absolutely refuse to cry when they're being disciplined because they don't want to show me that they're weak. They won't do it. It's... They're indifferent. They're defiant. They're careless. They make light of it. Some of you have children laugh when you discipline them. Now, why do we tend to do this? We tend to do this to despise the Lord's, uh, despise the Lord's discipline, particularly because we do not value what God values. And that is faith. Faith. He values faith. So it may be that God is taking away that which you value more than He values. What he values in your life is faith. And until you learn to value what he values, the discipline's going to keep coming. Don't despise it. Don't be indifferent toward it. Don't be careless. Don't let this thing that's happening in your life feel like it's no big deal. I'll get through it. I can manage it on my own. Don't do that, friend. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. And then secondly, do not be discouraged by his discipline. Do not be discouraged by his discipline. Verse 5, nor, because he says don't despise it, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. 
This is equally as important. That is, don't be overwhelmed by the suffering. Don't be crushed by it. Don't, don't quit because of it. Like, like us, you see, these Hebrew Christians may have felt that as they underwent the suffering that God had given up on them. But what they needed to hear was that I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because I love you. So don't be discouraged by it. Don't, don't quit. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't get crushed. Suffering is necessary. Discipline is, is purposeful. God is bringing this struggle and adversity and trial and pain in your life because he's trying to get you somewhere. So don't buck against him. Don't fight. Don't get angry. Don't pout. Endure it. Respect what God is doing in your life and submit and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? I don't want to miss it. Even if the pain never goes away, God, show me what you're trying to show me. Like a river glorious, old hymn, I love it. Every joy joy or trial falleth from above. Think about this. Every joy or trial, it comes from above. Yeah, that which God has taken away from you came from above. Every joy or trial, it comes from above. Traced upon our dial by the Son of love. We may trust Him fully, all for us to do. They who trust Him wholly, find Him holy. Don't despise it. Don't be discouraged by it. Let the discipline of God train you for a harvest of peace and righteousness. For God is doing in our struggles what he said he would do. And look right here. He's doing this because he loves you. He's doing this because he loves you. My friend... If you're not undergoing the discipline of the Lord, it is time to become his child. Because it is his wrath that is ignoring you. It's his wrath that is allowing you to keep going in your wicked ways. Turn to Christ. Turn to Christ. For suffering with Christ is far more majestic and suffering without him. Let's stand together for prayer.